next week. Amen. Awesome. Well, this is Steve. I've known Steve for a long time. We used to do high school ministry together at Apple Cross Senior High School and uh, both from different kind of youth uh, groups in, in the area. But, uh, and uh, these, you guys have known the, the Talbot family for, for a long time as well. So uh, you're very blessed. And uh, yeah, so welcome. Bless you. And uh, yeah, just love you and so glad you're here. Oh, my family. It's good to be home. How good is Brad Joss, guys? What a guy. Brad, I love that what you carry isn't just for this church. I love what you carry is for the city and for this nation, and I love that. And even if you're not seen by this nation, I love that you carry something so heavy, so deep, so wide for our nation. And I know the Father treasures it on you, and He trusts you, and I love it. And I honor you for what you're doing here. There's only one church in our city that I will pay this compliment, and we should never compare churches. <laughs> so I've worked for Compassion for four years. I've probably been at 100 different churches in that time. But when I bring up paradox, I say, paradox hosts the glory of God. Thank you for hosting the glory of God, paradox. It's so beautiful. You don't host it for paradox. You host it for Australia and for Asia and for the nations. So much bigger. Everything in the glory is never for a place. It's so unendingly beautiful and powerful that why would you just contain it in this room? It's for so much more. The apostolic in this house is for so much more. And I, and I honor it and I see it. So thank you. And thank you, guys. Thank you as well. Paradox. This guy over here, Luke. This guy, he got some people together and... He was like, I want to raise three grand for compassion. I was sharing with him what it's like for the churches on the field right now as they're serving the children during COVID. It's so hard right now. It's so full on. Like the way compassion works on the Saturday, all the kids from the slum area, the area of poverty, all come into the local church. They get loved, get their discipled. They've got mentors and spiritual mothers and fathers just caring for them. They're having worship. They just come into the glory of God, the love of God. They actually come into the kingdom of God on Saturdays. And so because we now can't have children in most places coming into a building where COVID is, the, the church is, is going out and it's about food, it's about health care, it's about counseling right now. And so Luke gathered Quinana together and raised $11,000. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. And he's like doing the videos and, and he's not just doing it with his legs and his energy and his great vision and his good looks. He's leading it with his heart. He's sharing his heart on there. It was with everything he was that he was able to break something open. And he didn't just just like this church isn't just breaking open Baladivis, it's breaking open so much more. What Luke broke open wasn't just $11,000 for compassion. He really broke open the city of Quinana for the kingdom of God in that time. And I'll share a little bit more about that. Thank you, Paradox, also for 27 children. Come on! 27 children! So all through COVID, those 27 children are just being loved. Thank you so much, you wonderful, generous church. I love you, my church. This is Kenneth. He is your most recently sponsored child. So go, Kenneth. 
We love this boy. I encourage you guys, don't hold back on your letter writing. You're not writing them a letter. You're discipling them. What's on your life, you're sowing it into them. You're speaking it into their life. You're releasing God into their life and into their family. These children don't read the letter once. You know, you're the three-year-old. They read it like over and over again. They memorize these letters. These are the poems of love over their lives. They have a, they'll have like a folder at their local church with all the letters in it, and they'll have a folder in their home. So these letters are never lost. And you know, when it's raining and it's cold and they're in the slum, do you know they open up? These words of hope from you. So don't hold back. Give them scriptures to memorize. Sow into them. Speak into them. We're discipling these children. In the last year, over 90 letters have been sent between you and these children. So come on. Good job, fam. Keep that going. Now, Paradox has been focusing on central Java, which is a place of extreme Islam uh, in Indonesia. It's a real hub of extremism there. And you've been sowing into that place. But what's happening now is Rockingham and Quinana are coming together as one family, as one body in Christ, the churches in this region to serve North Sumatra in Indonesia. So also in Indonesia, North Sumatra is also a Muslim majority region. So we launched this with about 50 leaders a few, uh, maybe a week or two ago. And it was right after uh, Luke did this climb. So I met with uh, two of the pastors in this area and said, you know, I'd share the testimony how we launched this in Mandra last year, how we got the churches together to come together for another region. I said, you know, we'd love to do this in Rockingham, Quinana. And so we set a time to do it. At the same time, separately, Luke set a time to climb this mountain. Now, what's so extraordinary is in the city of Rockingham, there's already great unity, kingdom unity. There's a great prayer group. They meet together, doing works together. The Spirit of God is moving. It's one of the most apostolic hubs. Out of There's about 25 prayer groups in uh, WA where pastors gather together to pray. And uh, Rockingham is one of those more apostolic hubs. And they're actually transitioning. What we're trying to do is encourage them from being just a pastoral coffee to an apostolic hub across our city. And Rockingham is right in there. But in Quinana, there was none of that happening. There was no unity amongst the churches in terms of a, a scheduled gathering. So it was so good that when we put on this to launch the vision for Rockingham and Quinana to come together as one church to transform North Sumatra, that four days earlier, or a week earlier, what it was, Luke had gathered the different, he'd invited the different businesses, he got different people involved, he had the community running up the hill. I asked one of the men, I said, why do you go to Transition Gym? This is what he said to me as we're running up the hill together. He said, because they say they're a family and they are actually a family. And you know what he was telling me? I could see he was explaining to me the kingdom of God as a non-Christian. He's saying, I go there because my kids and my wife, we go there and we feel like we're part of family. So there's Luke breaking open Quinana, the one of the most poorest places in Australia. He's breaking open the kingdom, breaking open the family. This is what the glory of God does. It does rest in a room, but it transforms cities. And it doesn't just do it through, the, through church buildings and, and the religion. It also does it through business. So I, I honor you, Luke. And so what's even happening? This is so exciting. Luke, I haven't even told you this. But 
we're going to launch this in February next year in the churches in Rockingham and Point Alley. And this is like a 20-year vision that the churches here will all sponsor children, the schools, to the, the two Christian schools in the area have got involved, the Rockingham Christian School, the Quinana Christian School have got involved, so there's, there's Christian schools getting involved. It's so good. But they're going to, in February, uh, uh, about three or four churches are going to have a combined Sunday service in Quinana and launch this vision together. But who is there breaking open Quinana, running up a hill? Luca, honor you. Luke's uh, granddad or great-granddad is one of the most key unity people in our state. I was even messaging him this week and discussing some things with him. He And so that is upon Luke's life. So it's so wonderful to see that being being part of what, as we launch this. And it's significant that the first church we're launching this at is at Paradox Church. And then we'll go to the rest of the churches in February. So thank you so much. I believe this. In Christ, together, we are unstoppable. I believe that. In Christ, when we stand in Him as one family, around His table, ascended over every principality and power, as we sit at his table and he's the head, and we sit over every principality and power in Rockingham, Quinana, and we look at his face, over every principality and power in North Sumatra, we look at his face, and he shares his heart with us together. We only sit there in Christ, and he shares his vision for us, and we move with him. At that place, we are unstoppable. And so the more we bring around the table together, the more, unstoppable, the more we can bring the unstoppable kingdom of God. So that's this vision. And I believe as the church in this region comes together to serve North Sumatra and sponsoring a child is an easy first step for the church to start doing kingdom work together. You know, So many of the churches in Rockingham, Quinana would already sponsor children with compassion. But we say, hey, let's focus on the same region overseas. But if we can raise up the next generation in North Sumatra by serving them together, how much can we raise up the next generation here locally as well? How much can we collaborate in our schools? How much can we take dominion in our schools? How much can we serve our schools? How much can we serve the community? How much can we say, hey, you that church over there, you're doing this food program, here's all our resources because we love you because we're one beloved family in Christ. The ties that hold the church of Jesus Christ together could not be any stronger than the blood of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Christ. That's what holds us together. Let's move in that togetherness. That place is unstoppable. That place brings the kingdom. Uh, there's a girl in Perth who's an advocate for compassion, just like Crystal here. And she's actually from North Sumatra. I just want to share with you her story that she shared with me. She said this to me. When I was a young girl, I lived in North Sumatra, and uh, she married an Aussie bloke. She, she's in North Sumatra. They were so poor that she would have to just peel onions all day to afford to go to school. She'd have to carry 20, 30 kilogram bags of onions. She said this, when they ran out of food, she would have to jump over the neighbor's fence and steal their vegetables so they could have food. That was just life for them in North Sumatra. She said, that, she said this, then her youngest sister got sponsored with compassion into the local church. So the way compassion works is every compassion program is run through a local gospel-focused church. So who's mentoring the kids? Who's tutoring the kids? Who's caring for the kids? You and us. It's the Christians. It's the gospel-focused Christians in a local community. We're just resourcing them to do what you're doing out there right now with kids in slums. 
There's no better program than that for a child than a loving Christian's resource from the globe to serve his children. And she said this, her little sister started praying every morning and started to shine. She said, it was just so strange for our family to see this girl, our little sister, start praying every morning. It was different for us. And the mentor of this little girl would visit our home once a month. So every child has a mentor, and they, they make sure they visit the, the homes and start to connect the family to the church. She said she asked me over and over and over again to go to church. She said, finally, I said yes. For some reason, I don't even know why. I went to church, and when I went there, I became a Christian. She said to me this, 70% of the people in that church were from families in the Compassion Program. It just grows the church. Because as you connect a child to a local church, you connect a family to that church, it just grows the church. As the church serves the community with the gospel, it grows the church, but it also transforms the community. And that was the story. She then became one of the mentors with, with compassion, and she saw the flourishing of her family. Her mom became a Christian. All her siblings became a Christian. It changed their family. I want to show you guys this video. This is a video that shows you how your brothers and sisters in Indonesia, in Indonesia are serving the children during COVID. So be blessed, and thank you so much for all these children you're loving. Apa kabar for all of you that have visited Indonesia? We have almost 800 projects now, our church partners. They close the activities, the children, they have to stay at home. And then we have to imagine that they stay in the poor condition of housing. And this is the situation that faced uh, by the children that we serve together. The local church, Compassion, is still trying to reach out uh, all the children one by one to know them they are in good condition and also health. What we do is we also make sure that they have food security and second they also uh, have the health support. Many families they were in tears because the church and the, the, the compassion project is the first one to come to their rescue and we've seen even the children themselves now they're not thinking of themselves alone, but they start to think of others. Uh, there's one project in uh, Solo, Putri, the name, uh, received uh, a gift from her sponsor. She did not use the money for herself or family. And what she did with her mother, they, they make package like a lunch box uh, for 50 people and give it to church for the church to distribute for the poor. But the family basically is not in abundance. In the scarcity, you can steal the blessing for the rest of the people. When they, uh, when they are jobless, they still have compassion, they still have you as, as a sponsor who are so kind. It means everything for the family in here. So thank you so much. All we can do is just to pray for all of you. Like the children, project staff, and the local churches in here, always pray and support all of you in our prayer every day, every single day. So thank you so much. Please pray for us. Thank you so much. Terima kasih. Terima kasih. Thank you so much, family. Did you see that girl, Putri, there? She's in Solo, which is actually right where the children are that you're sponsoring is in Solo. So 
that story, the way compassion works is when a child comes into the program, they receive health care, nutritious food, education, tutoring, discipleship, all through the local church. But once they turn 12, we do what we call transformational leadership training. From 12 to 20, they're getting trained how they can be released to transform their region. And a lot of them then start discipling the younger children in the compassion program. So we teach them how to be disciplers and leaders of change. That's how you transform a region. You can see Putri, that girl, when she got that gift during this time, she used the funds. I was talking to the, the leader who looks after these 150,000 children, this lady who looks after the discipleship of these 150,000 children in Indonesia that are connected to these churches through the Compassion Program. This is an army that is being raised up in Indonesia to disciple this nation. And she said to me, we found a few years ago that the, the teenagers started getting bored in the Compassion Program. You guys are going to love this. This is such a paradox story. So we realized we need to start releasing them. And when we started releasing them, they weren't bored anymore. Now they were doing the discipleship. Now they were doing the Alpha program in the slum. Now they were doing this, this training on pornography and the dangers of pornography in the slum. They were doing it. And when the releasing changed, it changed the whole ministry. So that's what Compassion is doing now. We're the church together, raising up the next generation to bring the transformation. Let's pray for the word. Father, we thank you for these children in Indonesia. We pray for them right now. And we pray for our family, our beloved family, the church in Indonesia that is serving these children with their hands, with their feet, with their blood, with their words. Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus for the glory of God just to move across Indonesia. We pray for the kingdom of God to be established in that land. We pray for Islam to be broken and the kingdom of God to be established. Father, we pray for these, these 150,000 children. Father, raise them up. Lord, to be your sons and your daughters who bring healing to the nations, we pray. Father, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to uh, turn to uh, John 11, which is a beautiful uh, chapter in, in the Gospel of John about the glory of God. How do we create a culture in our marriage, in our family, in our local church, in the church of Rockingham and Quinana, where we move together in the spirit to see his glory cover the earth, to see the kingdom of God established in families and communities. It's amazing in uh, John 11, when Jesus does the miracle of Lazarus, that he does it in such an interesting way that he does it to train and disciple a family and train and disciple his disciples. It's an interesting how he journeys them right through his miracle. And we need to be taking people on journeys in our walk with God and bringing them into our momentum, bringing them into the movements of God in our life so they can come easily into it. So there's Lazarus, there's Mary, there's Martha. And Jesus wants to reveal the glory of God to them. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The resurrection life of Christ that has been fully given to you is for the glory of God 
in this region. The Father has not held back anything from you. He has completely given you himself. He has given you his Holy Spirit. He has given you Jesus. He has given you his resurrection life. He has given you the fullness of his glory and said, here is everything I have. How are you going to steward it? And he's teaching Mary and Martha and the disciples that when you steward the glory and the resurrection life comes forth, there's complete transformation. My daughter just turned three years old. And uh, she said about two weeks ago, well, I was on the dishes. So I was at the dinner, I was at the, the, in the kitchen and she was just there where we have our family worship times. And we love to host the glory in our family. We love it. We're a bit like Paradox at home. Yeah, well, that's how we roll. <laughs> like Paradox. And, uh, and this is what Charlotte said while she's by herself. She said this. She said, I'm cleaning for Jesus. And she's just cleaning the area we worship. I said, Charlotte, what did you say? She said, I'm cleaning for worship. And she was just cleaning the area where we have our prayer times. And what she'll do is she'll just start worshiping and she'll bring the family in. You can see her, she was worshiping today because she recognizes the glory in this room. How do we bring our families into the glory of God at home? Jesus is bringing this family into an understanding of the glory of God. So this is my daughter, Charlotte. We'll put worship times on and she'll just spin and spin and spin in the presence of God, in the glory of God, just saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And she dances and she, she's like a Bethel girl. You know those Bethel girls? You know, it's more like a paradox girl, really. They'd have their way of moving with the Spirit of God. And that's not how I dance with God. But that's just, Charlotte's just come into that beautiful movement of the Spirit of God. In May, my son had this dream. He came into my bedroom and he said, Daddy, we've got to move house. We've got to move house. I've had a dream from God. I said, Pete, your dream's not from God. We're not moving house. I said, but tell me your dream. But we're not moving house. I've put a lot of work into this house, my boy. A lot of work. 130 square meter deck I built. Yeah, it's like put your Brad Joss on if you want to build a 130 square meter deck. I'll put my, I'll put my Brad Joss on. And that's what I did. And now Pete wants me to move homes. And so I said, Pete, tell me your dream. He said, Daddy, we were at the beach in this area. We were at the beach. And there, were, there was waves going from the land over a fence, like a farm fence, into the ocean. And then he said this, there's a little hill and this tornado came up. And this tornado, you and I, Daddy, we ran away from a tornado and we ran to the shop and my parents were lying down outside the shop. Uh, me and Pete lay down. My wife was there. My brother was there. My kids were there, all lying down. And he said this, Pete said, everything light came into the tornado, but nothing heavy went in the tornado. And then he said, we were all in a line, and this tornado was coming towards us. We were about a kilometer away. I said, Pete, don't worry. The dream's not from God. That day, one of my friends who runs the pastor's group in Mandra, the guy who we came up with this thing of bringing the churches together, one region to transform a region overseas, Mark, he's a, he's a beautiful apostolic man. He, he called me on that day, he felt like he was supposed to call me up, and I said, Mark, 
I'm writing some work right now for compassion on what movement is, what kingdom movement is. Can you tell me about kingdom movement? And he said this. He said, three or four years ago, I had this dream, and I've never told anyone but my wife, but I always come back to it. He said, I was in the Peel region, which is where my, my home is, down in Serpy, Serpentine. And he goes, I saw this tornado come up. And it went from the Pearl region all across Australia. And I said, ooh, uh, I better get my son. I said, Pete, that dream you had that was from God that I said was not from God, I think it might have been from God. That was the Wednesday. On the Sunday, there was that 10-year storm that came across WA. There were massive big waves going out. Uh, We saw on the WA map on the news this picture of tornadoes all over WA. In Bow Divers, there was a shot that they showed on the news that Sunday with the roof ripped off, just like in Pete's dream. And Pete said to me, uh, Daddy, yeah, that's the place that I saw in my dream. That's where, that's where you were. That's where Granny was. That's where Grandma was. That's where the kids were. And I was like, whoa, Petey, you saw this before it happened. So I believe Bow Divers is significant right now and what you're doing right now is for Australia. It's for, there's a movement of God that's coming out of the Pearl region, that's coming out of our divers. There's a movement and it's about family. That's why there was the generations there together. That's why my son had it and, and it's to go across our nation. Now, this is so interesting. Another pastor then said to me this, who I talked a week later, who's an, another apostolic leader in our city. And, and I rang him up to ask him if one of his spiritual sons could do this project I was doing. And, I, and he said to me, I just, he just started telling me this story, which I'd never, I don't know why he told me this. He goes, in January, I was at an apostolic coalition of, of the, I was at the coalition of apostolic leaders in Australia. And he said, there was one thing at that that I took back from that. Someone stood up and prophesied that there was gonna be a movement of God starting in WA and it was going, as it came over east, it was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It was like a swirling whirlwind. I said, oh, that's very, very interesting that you tell me that, Paul. There's actually some other things that have been happening. And then, and then his, spiritual, his spiritual son, I rang him up to ask him to do the part of this project. He's like, oh, my son just had this dream of this wave coming. And when the wave came, it was bringing all these young people into, into God. It was like a move amongst the, amongst the, the students. Uh, and then I just heard, I think it was from the same leaders who were doing the food thing with, with when we were launching this at Rockingham Quinama. This is such a good story. It's not that good. <laughs> but but in, in uh, about three or four years ago, there was, uh, these apostles came over to uh, the Sunset Coast and they were speaking to the leaders over there and they saw, they were, they were over the water and they saw this golden ball under the water. It was beautiful golden ball under the water. And they saw this golden ball come up and it went from one side of the country to the other. And then when all the, uh, the Queenslanders heard the story, they all cheered, yes, it's gonna go from Queensland across Australia. And the, the apostles said, no, 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 no. It started on the west side and came across to the east side. And we're like, yeah, we know all about that. So we heard that this week. So all this time, we've been having confirmation. Now, the dream that Pete had that night has gone to Indonesia. It's gone to a lot of the leaders in WA have now heard that dream. There's a movement upon it. Now, I share the story for this. About three weeks after Pete had that dream, I invited uh, about 40 of the key pastors in our city to my home. I felt from God to do this during COVID. 
And about 25 of those leaders were pastors who lead geographical pastors groups. So they're pastors who lead, other, who coordinate other pastors coming together in regions. So they're at our home, and the way we had organized it was that with the four of us who were going to share uh, just for five minutes each this, this, what we felt like God was saying, and while we brought these leaders together, we were, our plan was, let's have a family time together, let's get around a bonfire, we made a massive bonfire, Brad, it was a huge bonfire, it was a Brad Joss bonfire, not a Steve Scrimger bonfire, I put my man on, I put my Brad Joss on again, put this massive bonfire, it was raining that day, the bonfire didn't even go out, such was the Brad, the Brad Joss on that bonfire, I was like, everyone's like looking, Steve, is it going to go out, I said, well, if I had made it, it would have gone out, but I put my Brad Joss on. Kevin knows what I'm talking about. He sat right in that spot and looked at my leg, and we had some good times together. And and this is the, the Nick Scott. Uh, he is kind of the the pastors groups that gather in our in our state, where the pastors come together in a geographical region to pray for their region. Nick Scott's like the spiritual father for that. They kind of look to him for for leadership and guidance. He's Baptist, so he's nice and neutral. Everyone's going to handle it in Baptist. And Nick Scott comes, and he, and he says, and he feels this. He says, when I was driving here, I got this vision. He said, uh, when I was doing, when I came into ministry, it was like they would have a baton, and the pastor beforehand would pass the baton to me, and then, and then and he grabbed me, and he passed me a baton in our kitchen, and then it, he goes, I'll take the baton, and he passed pass me, and then Steve would have to run by himself. And he goes, we've all experienced the loneliness that you feel when the baton's passed to you, and then you're kind of left alone. And all the pastors in the room are like nodding, yes, that's happened to me, I feel that so much. And they're all like moaning and groaning and connecting. And then he said, this is what it looks like now. He goes, it's more like a three-legged race. where you'd have a father and a son, and he grabbed me, and he tied his leg, and he tied your leg. And you walk together as a father and a son with a three-legged race. I believe that analogy he got was a beautiful illustration of this movement of God that is going to go from WA across Australia. It's the movement of God of family. It's spiritual fathers turning their hearts to spiritual sons. It's spiritual daughters turning their hearts to spiritual moms. And there's a grace and there's a movement on it and it's light and it's easy and it's coming and, it's, and I believe it's already been launched and I believe this project we're doing of bringing a region together as one family to serve a region overseas is just a part of serving that movement. If there's a move of God and you start serving that movement, you get caught in that movement. And that's what we want to do with compassion. Where's the Spirit of God moving? We want to move with that. We had the, the top uh, guy who looked after all of Asia for compassion come to Australia about two years ago. And he showed us a map of Indonesia and he said, this is where the Spirit of God is moving across Indonesia. This spot, this spot, this spot, this spot. So what we're going to do is we're going to find churches here, here, and here where we can collab- where we can start working with because we want to go where the Spirit of God's going. And so that's the strategy. Where's the Spirit of God moving? Go with Him. So as Nick shared this analogy, the Spirit of God came in my home like a movement, like a tornado. And we only wanted 20 minutes of talks because we're going to have, we had then had six Zooms afterwards. We were going to talk with these leaders and we had round tables and these six Zooms. We're going to talk about how we can transform uh, the different spheres of society in our regions that God's given us. And uh, it was so exciting. The Spirit of God's moving and He's going around. And everyone just, and every analogy that every pastor talked about was family, 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 family. Is 
that's the movement of God. And I sat back in the kitchen with my wife next to me, and I said to Ross this. I said, Ross, God has brought the leaders in our city together to talk about this right where Charlotte spins around and worships. She has been breaking this movement open as a two-year-old. She's been moving with God, moving with him, moving with him. Peter, an eight-year-old, having a dream that could go across a nation. How do we bring our families into the glory of God? A glory of God that transforms cities and disciples nations. If you don't believe you can bring your family into the glory of God that transforms cities and disciples nations, it won't happen. If your vision for your family is this, you probably will get that. But if you believe you don't just host his presence in your family, you actually host the Trinity. When we have our prayer times, I don't tell my children, let's wait for God to come. I tell them, the Father is dancing in this room. The Son is dancing in the room. The Holy Spirit is dancing in this room. We just move with Him. We come into His movements. I believe if an eight-year-old and a three-year-old can move with the Spirit in a way that brings the glory and transformation, you can and your family can. I believe it. Do you know what? Just get under Rod Talbot and take every spiritual blessing upon that man, receive it, and then release it into your family. That's the strategy. That's the strategy. I got it, Rod. I've got it. God said to me this, I will pour out my glory in your family, and then I will pour it out where you minister outside your family. Tie your legs. Tie your left leg to your glorious father. And then tie your right leg to your family and walk with your father and bring your family into the movements of God. Jesus wanted his disciples to see the glory of God so they would grow in their faith. So the first verse of this passage, he's bringing a family into it. And I just talked about bringing family. It might be your family. It might be your next door neighbor's family. Just get a family and bring them into the glory of God. In verse 14, Jesus says this. To his disciples. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died and for your sake I am glad I was not there. Listen, for your sake. So he's now, he's thinking about them. He's not thinking, I'm just going to go do a, a I'm just going to raise someone from the dead. This is going to be one of the greatest miracles of all time. He's also thinking, I'm going to bring this family in. I'm going to bring my disciples into this. God has got great miracles he's doing through your life. And this is one of those journey miracles. Don't just see the miracle fulfilled. Don't just see the promise fulfilled. Bring your family, bring those you're discipling into that journey with you. Let them learn about the movements of God through your life so they can come into your momentum. If you don't bring them in, they miss out on coming into the glory of God with you. Who are you discipling? Let them see God move through you. Who is in your family? Let them see God move through you. Teach them how to do it so they can grow in their faith. I took Charlotte, my daughter, up the Chalk Hill Charity Run, led by Luke. 
it was not the best move to take Charlotte with me, Luke, because she just didn't really want to run. And so we went at about 11 o'clock, and it was pretty hot that day. It was like in the 30s, eh? Oh, man, you want to break a city, Quinana, open? Why'd you choose a 30-degree day? Because Luke doesn't care. He's an alpha male. This church is full of alpha males. Can't you just have some normal blokes in this church, guys? Alpha male church. Brad, why do you have to have so many alpha males here? Alpha males breed alpha males, Steve. Do you not know lions breed lions? Sorry, Brad. Imagine uh, Brad having a lamb son. He would just like send them off. Be gone, my lamb son. Bring me another lion. Here I am. It's me, Kevin. Perfect. Come here, Kevin. Come into my love. Is that what you do? Come into my love. I'm a lion. Come in. Kev's like, no, that's not what he does. But I'd like him to do that. (laughs) My pastor of my church gives me one of these every now and again on my face. Just looks at me like a father to a son. I love it. I'm like, it's not awkward. It's a little bit awkward. But I love it. I'm like, yes, father. And I do call him father. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I first joined the church, pretty much straight away, I was like, you're going to be my spiritual father, <laughs> so you know. I'm claiming it right now. I just went right there. Yeah. So I take Charlotte up at this Charity Hill run, and I'm realizing pretty much she doesn't even want to do it. She wants to do it, but she wants me to carry her. So the whole time, I'm pretty much carrying her up the... The chalk hill run, Luke. But Luke said this, you get double points. If you carry someone, a dog or a human, if you carry them, they count as running up and down the hill. So Charlotte is actually raising money for children with compassion, but her dad's carrying her. What was I doing when I was carrying her up? I was bringing her into the momentum of what I was doing. I was the one who was trying to get some laps done for Luke, but she was right there. Who are you carrying through your miracles? Jesus was carrying the disciples and his family through his miracles. Bring them into the glory. Bring them into your movements. Bring them into your day. Bring them into your journey. For Charlotte to come into what God has for her, I have to get vulnerable and I have to dance the way she wants to dance in our prayer times. Brad would not be impressed. It's not like a lion, Brad. Nah, he'd love it because he's a pastor of Paradox where blokes actually worship, like really worship. And so I have to really put my worship on. Why? Because that's the way Charlotte worships. So I humble myself and I fully dance with her. And I love it. And I bring her, I'm stretching her into her glory, into what God's called her to be. It's so good. This is what I do. I never beg God to come into my family room. I don't beg God. I believe the Trinity is in my family room. And because I believe it, then I start to see it. Once you start to see it from faith, then you start to see the movements. As you see the movements, you start moving with his movements, and I start hearing what he's saying. Because I'm not, I'm not hoping God's going to speak to me. I know I'm in the river of his voice. I'm in the, the rushing ocean of his voice. I don't have to say, God, can you come and speak to me? I'm like, I just believe that, you know how he says that his voice is like mighty oceans, rushing rivers. I'm like, well, I just believe I live in those rushing waters. So I'm like, well, you're all around me. And then what I do is I start saying what God's saying in my family time. 
and I start doing what he's doing. I'm moving with him. And so my kids are now seeing what God's doing and hearing what he's saying because their dad's doing it. So now it's easy for them to come into the movements of God. It's easy for them to say what I'm saying. So I'll start saying, Jesus, I love you. And then my kids will start saying, Jesus, I love you. I'll start moving. They're moving. What am I doing? I'm making it easy for my children to come into the, the movements and the glory of God. It becomes part of their culture. This is what Jesus is doing in the story. In verse 21, Jesus arrives and meets with Martha. She's in pain. He listens to her pain and answers her question. Who is in pain around you right now? Who is in pain? Are you listening to their pain? Are you so annoyed by their pain that you're just pushing yourself away when this is the person you're supposed to come right in and bring them into, your move, into the movements of God? Bring them into the revelation of God. I love this because Martha starts with pain but ends up speaking revelation because Jesus brings them into her into his revelation. She catches it and then responds in revelation. Look at this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, listen, this is so beautiful. Oh, what a great description of the glory of God. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So he speaks to the revelation and challenges her. Do you believe this? He's imparting into her. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming to the world. Jesus brings his revelation to Martha in the middle of her pain, and then Martha responds with her own revelation. She didn't just repeat what Jesus said. She had her own revelation and, and, and came back. And this is what happens with those you're discipling and your children. You bring them into your revelation, but watch what comes back as they start to move with him too, as you bring them into that tornado, that movement of God. It's like, uh, you know those swimming, you go in the back of the swimming pool at home, and everyone's like moving around the water to try and make a whirlpool in the water. You know those, you make a whirlpool and you can start floating around. When your kids get involved, they actually make the whirlpool move more as well. They get involved. The more that jump in, the more movement there is. I believe that right here in the middle of her pain, that Jesus is opening the eyes of Martha so she can start to see the realities of the kingdom of God when her brother has died. He's teaching her to put her eyes on Jesus and she's actually just done it. She's put her eyes on him and seen the revelation. What Jesus is doing is first he's telling her what he's saying in this moment. He's saying, my, my voice right now is resurrection and life. And then he's going to show her when he raises her from the dead. So we speak what he's saying, and then we do what he's doing, and we bring them into both. We bring them into what he's saying. We bring them into the movements. We speak revelation right into the confusion. Now listen to how Jesus now deals with Mary. This is so beautiful. This one who has such an, an intimate relationship with him. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So here's Mary, and she is in pain and grief. And Jesus comes right into her pain and is moved by her heart as well. Yes, he's moved by God, and he's moved by the Spirit of God, and he's moving in the resurrection life, but he's also moved by Mary and her beautiful heart. We have to be moved by our children, by our wives, by our husbands. We have to be moved by their pain. We have to feel what they're going through. We have to sense the death where we're about to bring the resurrection life. We have to sense the, the pain that the death has caused and the sorrow they're having and connect in that and then bring the life. When you can connect with the movement of the pain that they're feeling and connect with the movement of God and bring that two together, you can bring the glory of God right into the depths of their soul, right into the depths of their spirit. This is what Jesus is doing with Mary. I remember this. I can share so much more at Paradox than I share at other churches because you guys are just so penty, even though you're a Baptist church. I love it. When my son was a little fella, I saw an angel come down in the room and it had a little cloak for Pete, a little, a little um, mantle for him. And, and so Rosie and I, we went and we prayed over Pete and we released this mantle over his life and not much happened. Uh, six months later after that is when he went to heaven. I shared that last year when I was here. He spent 40 minutes in heaven. And... Uh, but what was happening is Pete was getting some really bad dreams, some really bad dreams. Uh, these were demonic dreams. And so what would happen is he would run into my bedroom and he'd be crying and we'd have to pray for him and he'd go, Daddy, pray for me, pray for me. When he goes to bed at night, if me and Roz wouldn't pray for him, he would cry, better pray for me before I go to sleep because he knows he needs that spiritual covering. So we would come right into the middle of his pain and pray with him in this place. And it was year after year after year he's battling this. When Pete turned eight this year, there was a massive breakthrough. I remember uh, he was having a dream and, and this dark spirit thing came and he said this at it. He said, Jesus. And the thing went away. And he'd never done that before in his dream. This was the time he'd gone to battle. The next bad dream he had, he started singing that great song, my God is so big, my God is so strong. He sings that in the middle of the dream. The next dream he has was the dream of the movement of God in a tornado that went across Australia. Since he turned eight this year, he's had one more bad dream. In that bad dream, do you know what he did? He sang, my God is so big again. But this year he's had seven prophetic dreams, some of them important for Catholic Passion, that one important for the nations. One of the dreams he had he wakes up at three o'clock and Rosie and I were speaking at this camp and he goes, he goes, oh, I had a dream from God. And Rosie's like, Pete, go back to sleep. You're going to wake up Charlotte. They put it in this one little room. And, and he wakes up in the morning. He goes, I had a dream of God. Tell us a dream. And he talks about how this, he goes, we were in the Middle East and these people came in, they're killing Christians and I escaped. And I was like, Pete, God gave you that dream for a reason. I ask you right now, I want you to pray about it and pray for those Christians. And so I just left it and went away and I came back and I'm like, Pete, did you do it? He goes, yeah, I prayed for those Christians and I felt the presence of God come upon them. I'm like, yes. So the enemy came right in to try and take from my son. 
come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so what did me and Rose do? We came right in there with them. Right in, like Jesus came right into the sorrow that Mary was experiencing and brought the kingdom of God. We have to go right into our children's pain. That's where we belong. Your friends who you're discipling their pain, that's where you belong. That's where the glory of God belongs. That's where the, the resurrection life of Christ belongs. If you're calling out the resurrection life of Christ in a safe place, then you're not going to see resurrection. But if you go to where the death is and you start calling out resurrection life and the death, you're going to see miracles. You're going to see life. You're going to see the movements of God. That's exactly what Jesus is doing in this place. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Then Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour, for he has been dead four days. Are you guys ready for one of the best verses in the whole Bible? Here it comes. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, if you had believed, you would see the glory of God. This is what Jesus did. He walked around believing and seeing the glory of God. If you believe you can walk around seeing the glory of God, you will. If you think that belongs to Rod or Brad or Rachel, then it does, but it also belongs to you. You're his child. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is burning and moving inside you to bring resurrection life, to bring the glory of the kingdom of God, to break the kingdom of darkness, to bring the kingdom of light. He's fully upon you and he's moving within you and he's stirred. But you will not see his movements if you do not even believe he's inside you. I don't mean believe as in, yeah, Steve, I know God's inside me. I mean believe he's inside you. In intimacy, have revelation that the Spirit of God is inside you, that God is inside you. Believe that the same power that raised from the Christ, from the dead, is in your hand, is in your thinking, is in your spirit. Because as you start to believe it with all you are, in intimacy with the Father, you sit with your Father and look at Him. Thank you, my Father, that you have given me the power of Christ that raised Him from the dead. And you look at your Father and you say, Father, I thank you as your Son, you've given it to me. And you say, I believe in my Father. And He says to you, then you'll see the glory of God. And as you believe it, you'll start to see the movements of it. And then as you see it, move with it. As you hear it, say what He's saying. Speak it right into the pain. Speak it right into the death. Speak it right into your family. Speak it right into those you're discipling. And as you say it, don't speak it with, with doubt or hope. Speak it with God's faith moving right through you. Right through you. I don't pray with Steve's faith. God's given me everything he has. So I've taken his faith. I pray with his faith. His faith is amazing. It moves mountains. I love that. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Listen, but I said this on the account of the people standing around. They may believe that you have sent me. So here's Jesus saying, he's actually he's saying, I'm saying this for my disciples and for my family. He's bringing them into his prayer life. Do you know what? As a Christian bloke, I don't really have a great prayer life. I don't. But as a father, 
with my children. My prayer life is off the hook. Because when I pray, Pete, Charlotte, Ross, we pray as a family. I bring my children into my prayer life, and it's exceptional. We do it together as a family. Why would I go off and pray by myself when I've got an eight-year-old and a three-year-old and a beautiful wife? Jesus brought them right into his prayer life. Often I'll be lying on the ground and Peter and Charlotte are fighting over who gets to lie on my back as I'm prostrate before God. Guys, one can go on my right, one can go on my left. Who are you discipling? Obviously that's not what you're going to do. But you can say to them, you know, come, let's get our knees together. Bring them into your prayer life. Bring them right into it like Jesus did. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Do you know Mary or Martha, the disciples, could have cried out, Lazarus, come out? That's what he was teaching them. There's people around you who need to be crying out, Lazarus, come out, but they haven't got the faith to do it that you do. Come into their pain and call Lazarus, come out, so they can start to call it out themselves. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. There's a boy that my family sponsored called Alex John. And his dad's on a Christian. He, uh, he lives in a slum. It's, I've been to his home, it's just made of uh, bamboo sticks. And he sent us a verse to memorize. I love this. He's discipling the younger kids of the Compassion Program. And he said this, he goes, fear not, God is with you. And I've walked through his slum. When he says, fear not, God is with you, he needs to believe that. There's no front door on his home. He needs to believe that. And now he's sowing that into my son. And I remember one night, Pete was in his room crying out, Daddy, come, Daddy, come, Daddy, come. And I ran into his bedroom. Normally, he'd be able to run into my bedroom. He was so scared. And he was crying and shaking. And I said, Pete, remember that verse that Alex John gave us to memorize. Fear not, God is with you. And I sang it over and over again. I was declaring it over Peter. Fear not, for God is with you. And now, do you know what we do? We send memory verses back to Alex John. We give him memory verses. We love it that he's discipling young kids. He's part of the legacy of Christ. So just as I'm raising up and bringing Peter and Charlotte and other people I'm discipling into God, do you know who else I'm bringing into God? The children we sponsor with compassion. I believe that I can carry them up Chalk Hill until I can let them go and they can run themselves. But that's what we do with our prayer life. That's what we do with our letter writing. What we do when we sponsor a child, we're not just declaring it over them by saying what he's saying in our letters. We're actually sponsoring them. We're actually showing them what God does. We're doing both. We're showing them resurrection life. We're giving them the money and giving them the words, just like Jesus did. He spoke, I am the resurrection life, and then he raised them from the dead. We speak into their lives, and we also give them the food and the resource and the discipleship they need. This is how we see the glory of God come to Indonesia. So, guys, family, beautiful family who sponsors so many children with compassion. If you want to also sponsor a child today, and I tell you, boldly do it. If God's like, I think he, if God's like telling you to sponsor another child or sponsor more children, do it. Don't hold back from discipling the nations. Do it, do it, do it. Boldly do it. On the right-hand side, I have the children from Central Java. 
those beautiful children are where you're already sponsoring. Children on the left-hand side, you've got a little map. That's the children from North Sumatra where we're bringing Rockingham and Quinana together. What we're going to do, we're going to do a pastors and leaders chaplains trip where we take all the pastors from this region together. We're going to say, hey, look what these churches over in North Sumatra we're doing. We're going to, and, and let, look how we're serving the children together and bring them back and say, hey, how can we serve our schools together more? So build that relationship amongst the pastors. We're going to do some pastors unity trips from Rockingham, Quinana, North Sumatra. So I'll be like begging you guys to come along in the coming years when COVID finally gets out of the way. If you want to sponsor a child, we will get a photo of you with the child so that when the child finds out the sponsor, they get to see a picture of you. It's about $11 a week, and it completely changes a child's life. Just like, bam, do it. I'm going to leave you guys with a video. Actually, I'll pray. Then I'll leave you with this video of a little girl. You can see her life change, but I'll pray before I refer to that video. Let's just um, close our eyes. I just want to pray over you uh, this sermon. Father, right now in this room, we know and we believe that you are in this room. Father, you are here. The Son is here. The Spirit of God is here. Beautiful Trinity, you are in this room. But Father, we also believe that you are in our cars when we're driving, and we believe you're in our family home. But Father, we don't want to believe it in a way that's just token. We want to believe it in a way that we will see the glory of God in our homes. Thank you, Father, where we work, in our office block, in our desk, we can see the glory of God where we sit. That place, you are with us. But Father, I pray we would, I pray we would believe it and we would see your glory in our workplace. If we're a teacher in our classroom, if we've got an office in our office, if we're, if we're in construction, wherever we're building, I pray that we would be people who believe that we would see the glory of God. Just as you said, if you believe you'll see the glory of God, I pray an increase of that in 2021, that what's in this house would be in the homes, what's happening in Baldivis, just like that dream my son had where that, the roof was lifted off of a shop in Baldivis. That tornado movement would go across Australia from this church, from this region, from the churches here, what God's birthing in this area, I pray for our nation. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I'll finish with this video. I grew up in this place. I saw these things happen in my community. At the very young age, I am exposed to drug selling, drug abuse, and drug running. Lorega is a ring in the air. If you say Lorega, then people will always associate you with drug addiction, with prostitution. Child protection is really one of the most important thing that we, uh, partners of Compassion, can do to help the child. I asked them what are the dreams, and most of the mother cried. So I changed the question and I said, okay, if you don't have a dream for yourself, what is your dream for your children? And they cry more. And uh, after talking to more than 200 parents, I can't sleep. I can't sleep because imagining and thinking about, I, I will be ministering to this place where people don't have really a dreams. When I was young, I don't have any hope. But then when I came to know the Lord, it makes something new. He molded me into a beautiful one because of the hope that He gave me. It's really my dream that they can really be released from poverty in all aspects and can be an influencer in their community. I am now a teacher. So now, 
I can teach more students. I can teach more children, mothers, because God teach me. And I want to use my life as a living testimony to those people who don't know Christ yet. Lorega now is totally different. Before, every taxi driver will not come inside Lorega, shooting every day. But Lorega now is uh, totally open with the gospel. I am here standing in front of you because I am one of those children. My sponsor was from the U.S. Through her, I am now a graduate student of the Bible School. I always dream with our children because their lives have been giving hope in the community. When other children will see them, it inspires others. Compassion International, the staff, the caseworker, plays a major role to instill into the child that there is hope in spite of poverty. And Lorega now is a, is a better place than before. I can say that God is my Redeemer. God is my cornerstone. And He has done beautiful things in my life. So yeah, just encourage you if you if you don't sponsor a child, go sponsor one now, please now do it. Uh, if you sponsor one, sponsor another one. If you sponsor ten, one or eleven. Um, so Lisha and I, we we have two uh, sponsor kids through Compassion. We believe, um, and, and again, not just in the impact, but in the integrity of uh, the ministry itself. Uh, and it is something that's significant in, even in the way that it works with churches. Uh, it is a, a movement that's transforming uh, cities and, and regions and nations. And so. Uh, please, if uh, yeah, just just do it because that money is not just changing a child's life; it's helping to shift a generation. So uh, we believe in that. So go do that first thing, and then just hang around over this side. We've got uh, pies for dinner, so uh, it's like gold coin donation for that. And um, but that will be kind of wandered around and and, uh, and made available to you. So um, awesome. Love you guys. Bless you. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, just come forward, hang around this front bit, and uh, someone from our prayer team will come and love on you. And uh, if not, have an amazing rest of your day, and we'll see you soon. Cool? All right. Love you guys. Bye.